and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast that will help you have an incredible Walt Disney World vacation, even if you're on a shoestring budget. This week, I'm talking to fellow Disney fan Dave Rich about how to keep the Disney World magic alive, even when you can't visit as much as you'd like. Welcome again, everyone, to episode 19. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse. I visit Disney World several times each year, and I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve. So I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my site and here in the podcast. This week's show is about keeping that Disney magic alive in your everyday life. So let's get to the show. super lucky to go to Disney World often about four times a year on average and I still wish that I could be there more often than I am and I realized that most folks can only go every two to three years and that's even if they're huge Disney fans because going to Disney World is quite an endeavor it's expensive takes a lot of planning it takes time off work it takes coordinating schedules But even if you can't get to Disney as much as you'd like, there are many ways to keep that great Disney magic feeling alive in your life. I decided to go straight to an expert on this. This is an interview coming up with my brother-in-law, Dave Rich, who I feel like is so good at keeping the Disney magic alive in his life. And he and my sister, his wife, can only go to Disney about every two to three years, which I find to be average. And so we're going to hear all of his tips and tricks for bringing Disney into your everyday life in a variety of ways. But before we get to the interview and a special preview of a Disney album, music album that Dave is working on, I wanted to share a few details about my schedule and what to look for on the podcast. So in a few days, I am headed to Disney World. I am going there on the 8th of September, and I will be there through the 12th. Um, I'm going to do nightly trip reports as I did on my last trip because I got a lot of positive feedback that you enjoyed those. So I will be doing that every night. And I'm also doing a live show at Food and Wine Festival. And I'm going to try and get that up right away because I know many of you are planning trips in September, October, and early November, and you want the information about food and wine as soon as I can get it to you. So we are looking for the best value items at Food and Wine, those that offer the best bang for your buck or that are the best value on the dining plan. And so I'm going to try and get that out next week. I do have to ask one favor. If you can take a second to rate the show in iTunes, it would really help other people find the show. So the way to do that is when you're on any page where you're listening to an episode, you just scroll down way to the bottom and you'll see a place where you can rate the show. And it literally takes one second. So that would really help me a lot and help other people find the show. And if you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing so you can get those nightly trip reports and that food and wine festival show as soon as it's ready. So with no further ado, let's get to the interview. I am very excited to have a special guest on the show this week, a fellow Disney fanatic who also just happens to be my brother-in-law. So I'm thrilled to welcome Dave Rich to the Budget Mouse. Hi, Dave. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So Dave, in your day job here, you're the Director of Community Health at United Way of Summit County. And um, aside from that, you're a Disney fan. Am I right? Yes. 
Great. Can you tell us about your life as a Disney fan, kind of your history of when you first went to the parks and when you first, um, you know, started loving all things Disney? I think, so the first time I ever went to the parks, went to Disney World, I think I was probably 85, I'm thinking. Um, And I don't remember much about it. I have a lot of pictures from my parents that they took. I remember my dad taking me out. We went there when it was dark out, just me and him. And I remember distinctly riding the um, Tomorrowland on the Tomorrowland Speedway. Nice. And so I, and like to me, I remember that being a big deal because I don't honestly remember up until that point ever being outside when it was dark outside. (laughs) And I remember him taking me out specifically, just me and him, to go ride the, the cars. Yeah, I always remember that. And then we went back when I was in high school. And um, honestly, don't remember a whole lot about that one either. Um, there are bits and pieces. Um, and then I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, we always watched Disney shows when I was a kid. Like, we watched Tailspin and DuckTales and all that stuff. So I was always well-versed in movies and all that. But then really... I didn't really think much about it or pay much attention to the parks or anything until uh, Kim, your sister, and I got married, and we were getting ready to, like, figure out what we wanted to do after we got married, and she just one day said, you know, why don't we go to Disney World? And I think at the time, you were part of the vacation club, and so it was like, it was sort of like, well, my sister's, you know, she's got these points that she can sell us, so it's kind of like an easy thing, and and I don't think Kim had been there in a really long time, if ever... yeah, you went as kids, right? Yes. Okay. It had been a long time. And so um, I was like, yeah, that sounds actually really fun. Not necessarily the most, you know, uh, the sexiest honeymoon ever, <laughs> but, you know, it, it seemed really fun. In the lead up to that, I uh, I listened to a few Disney podcasts, like Lou Mangiello's podcast, and um, everybody seemed to recommend the Disney biography, um, An American Original by Bob Thomas. And so I read that leading up to it, and it, it just got me so pumped because I really didn't know anything about Walt Disney the person. And that book does a really great job of just explaining his whole career and his trajectory and what he did for animation. And um, when we went for a honeymoon, it just I, I was blown away by how much fun I had. I just couldn't believe it was more fun than I could have possibly anticipated. And, of course, the food's great, and it was just super fun. I, di- I didn't know how fun it would be with just, like, two adults. I just thought it was, like, a kid. You know, you bring your kids there. And we went back a few more times, and then when we had a kid, I got to the point where I was like, man, I'm going to miss out on so much stuff because I have a kid. And it, it, it turned out being great with a kid, too. There is stuff that you can't do necessarily, like, late at night. But I've had the same feeling. Yeah. having <laughs> uh, My son, Calvin, is now four. We went – the last time we went, he was two, just turned two. And – the lead up to that, I was like, oh, we can't see any of the fireworks shows. And, you know, man, this kid just ruins Disney World. For right. Me. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. We're kidding. Exactly. But <laughs> but what I came to find out is that when you have kids, uh, you just enjoy it in different ways. And I have a video on my phone that of him meeting Mickey Mouse the first time that is like it's I I've shown it to like hundreds of people. I show uh-huh. people all the time. And it, it's it's one of the cutest, most heartwarming videos I've ever seen because he's just obsessed with all that stuff so yes so you're experiencing the parks in a different way yeah and so that's a really long way of answering your first question but (laughs) it's okay it's great but when I got back from that first trip on our honeymoon I just was like I was just determined to learn as much as I possibly could and that's 
that's one of the cool things I think about the parks is that, you know, you can, there's so much history. You can go and just have fun and ride the rides and, mm-hmm. and have a good time because the movies are so f- popular and famous. You'll, you'll get the, you know, everybody knows Peter Pan and stuff like that. But, you know, for people who want to dig deeper or have a, a, a more detailed interaction with the parks, it's a whole subculture that just never stops having things you can read about. And yes, and about down and the rabbit hole he went. Oh, yeah. God, we're sitting <laughs> next to my bookshelf that yes. has, I mean, it's not like a huge bookshelf, but, you know, this is like now six or seven years of me putting Disney books on my Amazon wish list for my birthday every year. So It's amazing. So at this point, you and your family go to Disney World about, what, every two or three years? Yeah, it got uh, our plan is every two years, and as we've had two kids, it's it, they've gotten spread a little bit. But since we've just had our final kid, I'm determined <laughs> that we're good. So I'm hoping every two years. So you know, eventually, depending on money, it'd be great if we could go every year. Yes. But for right now, I think every two years is sort of what our financial wheelhouse is. Yes. So I find that, in my experience, to be typical of families that love Disney and want to go, that the frequency is about every two or three years that they can, you know, actually afford to go and get time off from work. It's not just finances, right? There's so much that goes into a Disney trip. You have to get time off work. You have to make arrangements for your house. If you have pets, you have, there's so much that goes into it. So pulling that all together, you know, every two or three years is doable for a lot of people. So if you're a real Disney fan, though, that's just not enough, right? I mean, you want Disney in your life as much as possible. So I asked Dave to be on the show today because I feel like he has this talent for keeping the Disney magic alive in his life, even when he can't visit as much as he wants. So he's an expert at this, and that is what I'm going to ask him to talk to here. So you already mentioned your book collection a little bit, so let's start there. We are sitting in Dave's office here, (laughs) looking (laughs) at his book collection, and it's amazing. And I wanted him to talk a little bit about kind of like how he finds the best books to read and where he gets them and and so on. So Dave, talk to us about how reading books at Disney Books helps you keep the Disney magic alive when you're not going to Disney World. Well, that's something that I think the the selection of books that's out there is a great compliment to the parks. You know, any aspect that you're interested in, whether it's um, the history of how they were made or just um, the history of, I mean, there are, I have two books that are, I mean, this would probably make some people's eyes roll back in their heads from boredom, but I have two books that are just about how the Disney company went through the process of getting all the land for Disney World, which yes. is its own crazy story that involves people traveling under assumed names and <laughs> buying land in, in, through secret shell companies because they were worried that like if people found out Disney was snapping up land that the, the price would shoot up right. um, and it is a dry book but it's it's fascinating if I see it I'll uh, if I see it in here I'll, I'll name drop it but um you know I I first went to some of the podcasts that are there, like Lou Mangiello's WW Radio podcast. Yes, I'm also a huge fan. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like the original. And yeah. then there's a really great podcast called Connecting with Walt that is from the Diz Unplugged. And they've both done a couple different shows about, like, good good ways to start your Disney book club, or book club, book collection. Yeah. And so, you know, most of them say start with how the world began um, by, I gotta pull it out, I wanna make sure I get the author's by Jeff Curdy. That's kind of the first one people usually get for Disney World. Um, 
you know, I I just kind of look at what the reviews are online. I, you know, I I know some people think Amazon is you know the 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 uh, new world order or something, and so <laughs> we shouldn't support it. But like, I think it's great because you read a book and they do give you really good recommendations. You can see what other people have bought. The two Imagineering books have been great. It's just a great way to. I get a book, and especially if it has really great pictures. Yeah. Um, you know, understanding how the tree of life was built. And yeah, it like deepens your appreciation for the parks when you do go. Yeah, I mean, it really it doesn't dispel any of the, you know, it I guess it ruin dispels, the magic. Right. I guess it dispels a little bit of the mystery because you can see the before you can see all the pictures of how the tree of life was built or how uh, the Robinson family tree house was built or whatever. I agree. So you're you find books on Amazon, mm-hmm. just kind of looking at reviews and. Well, I also so Amazon's a good one. I also we have a few great bookstores here in. Akron, Ohio, um, that are used bookstores. There's a great one called The Bookseller, which is like two minutes from my house. And um, I go there about every two weeks, and it's sort of like any other antique place or any other record store where you just have to constantly go to see what they have because yeah. the stock's always changing because everything there is used. They don't have anything new. Well, like local publishers looking at stuff. But by and large, it's just people bringing in book collections and selling them. And so if you don't go every on a regular basis you're going to miss stuff and i'd say a third of my book collection comes from there stuff will just pop up that i didn't know existed um this book came up about the sherman brothers that i thought was fascinating um i just got a book yesterday this uh disney world uh the art of disney world walt disney um which you know online will probably be a 40 dollar book and they had it for 12 bucks which is great i think most people would be shocked at how many books exist about disney world about the history of disney himself i mean everything it's amazing yeah you start to dig in Mm -hmm. to see how many books are out there to read there are you know there are books about individual uh parks obviously um so so there are books that are about disney world as a whole Yes. Then there are books. I have a book here that is just about Animal Kingdom. Wow. And it's huge and hardcover and has, you know, lots and lots of pages. There's a book just about Epcot. There's a book just about um, anim- or, uh, uh, Hollywood Studios. And then there are books like this. This is an entire book that is just about the Haunted Mansion <gasps> by Jason Sorrell. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, you can. I think he also made one about Pirates of the Caribbean, and it has all of the concept art, and it has how that how it evolved over time. It's you know, it, however nerdy you're willing to get, somebody's <laughs> already out there who's nerdier than you who I has learned that taken well. care of the topic for you. Yeah. So what's great about these is that they almost give you the experience of being there when you're not there. When they also make it. I mean, it. It feels almost like you're doing research for your next trip. Like, yeah. so you can like just I don't know, you know, you could be the annoying family member who's like, oh, <laughs> did you know that 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 name on that board was one of the nine yeah. old men? Oh, you don't know who the nine old men were? Well, let me tell you. You clearly are a Disney book lover. Um, can you tell them, please, about what you showed me this morning that you discovered yeah. in the book that he found at the used bookstore? Tell yeah. Me. So this is why it's fun to always keep an eye on. This is, you know, this is a. I live in Akron, Ohio, which is a city of like 200,000 people, and so it's pretty, it, you know, it's not huge. And we have this little bookstore that's owned by two people, and the the travel section, they do have travel divided by state. And so I looked in Florida, didn't see anything in Florida. And when I looked in California, there was this old, old book that was just called Disneyland, and it was written by Marty Sklar, who is like, a, he just passed away, I think, either earlier this year or last year. 
and I didn't even know the book existed, had never seen it on Amazon or anything like that. And when I opened it up, I actually bought it. I didn't even look at it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I took it right to the counter yeah. and bought it. It was like I'll, seven bucks that. or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I get it home and I open it up and all this stuff fell out of it. And it was travel guides for, for Walt Disney World, like official when you walked in the parks. You know, they didn't do brochures back then. They were like little, little books um, from 1971. Uh, there was one from Disneyland. There was a holiday one. And then also all these ticket books fell out. So anybody who knows their Disney history knows that you used to have to buy ticket books that came with lettered tickets, A, B, C, D, and E. Mm -hmm. And so like the E ticket rides were more expensive. The A ticket rides were the cheapest. I believe that's how it went. And so, and I'd I'd always heard about these. I'd never Mm -hmm. seen them. And, you know, out fell a couple empty. There's an empty one, but it's the cover. And then there's one that has the tickets still inside of it. And, you know, I had never seen those up close. Oh, and it was so cool. I had never either, like, held them in my hands. And it was really, really neat. I'm going to snap a picture and put it up um, in the show notes for yeah, this episode. That was clearly somebody who just, you know, had, you know, either they were a Disney collector or just kept the stuff from their vacation, you know, mm-hmm. and put it all in a book. And, you know, a- as with a lot of those kind of used places, I used to work in a used record store. And a lot of times, um, you know, people pass on and their collections of books or records or whatever their family members don't know what to do and they end up yeah. you know unloading them in places and so i think it's nice to give those things a, a good home because otherwise what do you, you know what are you going to do with them yeah great so in addition to books i know you also consume other disney media that helps you stay connected with the parks when you're not going as often as you want talk about yes. that please so i work in an office i use headphones a lot music is pretty much my favorite thing in the on the planet besides my family I heard somebody refer to this. I, I'm not. I would not go this far as explaining it like this. But somebody once said, you know, Disney. If you look at Disney like a religion, they have all their own hymns, right? They have all. They have a book of hymn, hymns that everybody knows. And so, um, you know, I listen to a ton of Disney music. I, I do. I do like the stuff from the movies a lot. I listen to that in the car with my kid a lot. But a lot of times when I'm working, I, I, listen, I like instrumental music because it doesn't distract me yes. when I'm trying to work. And so. You know, with YouTube, um, it's amazing how many other Disney nerds are out there who, you know, will just post loops of pretty much every attraction you could probably think of. Somebody has posted the the cue music. Wonderful. Um, and so, you know, I'll just dial up like the Tomorrowland entrance theme or like the Magic Kingdom uh, entrance theme. And sometimes we play those during dinner when we're eating dinner here. Um, but they sound great. And you know, they usually have that kind of, I mean, it really does give you that feeling yes. of when you're walking around, but, um, you know, you don't have to actually watch anything, engage with it. You just turn it on and, and listen to it. Um, that's great to yes. have as just background music to give you the feelings. And Disney has put up all their Feel. soundtracks on, if you have Spotify, um, and I'm sure it's like that for any other streaming service. I, I use Spotify and I mean, every soundtrack you could possibly want is on there. So oh, cool. when, when, uh, my son loves Disney movies. We like we just watched Beauty and the Beast for the first time last week. And so, you know, he becomes obsessed with that and watches it like five times in a week. And so in the car, I'll, you know, I can dial Spotify and turn on like, you know, Be Our Guest or whatever. And it's all on there. Nice. Um, Little Mermaid, he was obsessed with for a while. So we listened to that nonstop. Um, and, you know, it's just it's 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 a way of, you know, keeping it around when you can't necessarily yes. jump in a car you know um, so you can pull up um if you search disney music loops sure. say, on youtube 
then that would pull up all of your options for what you could listen to. Yep. Right. I mean, it's you can find anything on there. I have to be careful because, um, I mean, I'm gonna let my freak flag fly for a second. It's like okay. when when it's late it. at night and everybody's in bed, I will totally watch like walkthroughs of like Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. Oh, that's not nerdy at all. That's but I, I have to watch myself because <laughs> when the new stuff comes out, like I was really tempted mm. to watch videos of going through like um, Rivers of or watching Rivers of Light or going yeah. through, you know, and I try not to spoil the new stuff for, for myself. I'm in that camp as well. I refuse to watch any videos of anything I haven't done myself yet. I have watched some, I did watch somebody's walkthrough of Toy Story Land and yep. it looks fantastic but I didn't like watch anything too in depth right. i just kind of it but it looks so cool and uh you know they're good at finding ways to keep bringing you back um my kid's gonna lose his mind at toy story land oh, when we yeah. go back it's so much fun star wars land is gonna be i mean that's another thing my dad and i are huge star wars fans so like yes. we're trying to figure out how we can go and actually you know again with kids how do you block out a whole day mm-hmm. and especially because star wars land's gonna be so busy but yes. you know i i think that it just takes it takes some effort to, to, to plan, but you can be you can be engaged with this stuff as much as you want. And I, I don't know, it puts me in a it puts me in a good mood. Um, I think yes, that's me too. I think that's the thing, is that I have a pretty high stress job. Um, I like mm-hmm. I love my job actually, uh, because it's United Way and, and we do a lot of things to help the community. And so it's it's a job I'm very proud of. And my wife is a is a counselor at a nonprofit. And so. Um, I feel like we have very honorable jobs, and I'm proud of that, but it's... I'm, they drain you, though. They are exhausting. Yes, they drain you emotionally and yeah. in all ways. Um, putting good out in the world, but you come into contact with some really upsetting stuff. Yeah. And you have to find ways to keep yourself optimistic and happy and believing that there are that the universe bends toward the arc of justice yes, right good and I, I feel like Disney the Disney stuff entered my life at the right time because I had just started my first job at a domestic violence shelter here in town and I was kind of coming face to face with some stuff that was like I didn't know the stuff even existed yeah. out in the world and having this other thing that was that's just like represents you know family and yes. fun and being together and you know <laughs> when you wish upon a star all the things that are like optimistic and it's so nice to have that as a counterbalance that you can kind of like slip into um and just sort of take it brings with it all that all those feelings you have um which probably also many many people feel the same yeah which (laughs) also which also explains all my a lot of my friends are completely baffled by the fact that all of a sudden i really i listen to a lot of jimmy buffett but it's basically the exact same thing margaritaville's basically disneyland for adults (laughs) so um but yeah, it's just it's a way to just slip into that happy place and uh, and and Disney has been around for so long that no matter your you know musical proclivities or whatever, I mean there are jazz greats who have done uh, tributes to Disney. There's a great there's a great Disney tribute from Louis Armstrong. Wonderful. Um, I didn't know that. It's a whole record of him singing and playing trumpet, and it's great. There's a whole there's one from. Uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys did a whole Disney tribute like about seven or eight years ago, and it's really good. 
Um, I'm going to try and get Dave to send me links to this, and I can put it in sure. the show notes for anyone that's interested to some of the books that he mentioned and to some of the music. Yeah. But you also mentioned podcasts. Clearly, I'm a huge podcast fan because I make a podcast. I started the podcast because I love podcasts. That's why I did it. So can you tell us some of your other Disney podcasts? You already mentioned two. Can you mention them again? Yeah. WW Radio is Lou Mangiello's podcast. Yes, also one of my favorites. He's he's covered pretty much every topic you could possibly ever want to cover, and he's done it, each of them about ten times. Um, the a relatively new one is Connecting with Walt, and that is from the Diz Unplugged. And I will totally mess up the names of the two guys who are in charge of it, but it's really good. And I would advise just starting it from the beginning. The 3028, I think is the name of it, is really good. I don't know what those numbers mean, but it's called the 3028. And uh, it's two guys, and uh, they just, just two goofballs talking about Disney stuff. It's really interesting. Um, one of them just went overseas to Tokyo Disney Sea, and, uh, or, yeah. Did I say it right? I don't know. Anyways, there's two parks in Tokyo, so and those are great. Um, I really like Mousterpiece Cinema. It's a guy. It's a guy who now he has a partner, but um, they just review Disney movies every week. And but they go way out of the traditional. Like they'll review Pulp Fiction because Pulp Fiction was put out by Miramax, which was owned by Disney when they when that. they put it out. So they they review so many movies that you had no idea were connected to Disney in some way. Because mm-hmm. as a giant corporation, Disney owns a bunch of d- distributors and movie houses. So. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So in addition to listening to background music on YouTube, I know you've mentioned before doing like research for your next trip on YouTube. So can you talk to that for a minute? Yeah. Um, my wife and I are trying to figure out <clears throat> which hotels we want to stay in. And there are some great videos. I, I would not be able to name check posters, but you know, they're usually the ones that have the most views. I think because All Ears up. does videos that, that you're mentioning. Yeah. Um, but when you look at like uh, people do walkthroughs of hotel lobbies and stuff and cool. it's super fun to try and figure out like, oh, we should stay there. Then, of course, you know, you look at the price and you're like, oh, we can't stay there. <laughs> we can't stay at the beach club this time. It's out of our price range. But um, but I think it's really helpful because especially for some of the the I don't want to say budget hotels, but the um, the not resort hotels, mm-hmm. they're great. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times on paper, you're like, well, those aren't as fancy. They're they're really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the Art of Animation, we watched a video of that before we stayed there, and I ended up loving it. So um, I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of videos that show you, you know, um, just virtual tours of what the rooms look like. Yes. I mean, it's so cool. It's so cool that people do that. Um, and yeah, okay, it does take away a slight bit of mystery knowing what you're like. It's always fun to open your door and not know what your hotel's going to look I'd like. I'd rather know what to expect in my right. hotel room. It is <laughs> it's different than an attraction. Right. <laughs> it is nice to kind of know, like, oh, that looks really yeah. fancy. We should go there. Yes. Or here's where I'm going to put the pack and play. Right. So my kid can sleep. Well, so. and I had no idea that. Um, so we stayed at Art of, Art of Animation last time mm-hmm. and they had a fold out bed <clears throat> from the from the couch. Um, and there was this like desk area where you could sit and like write stuff Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, um, I had no idea that that desk turned into a bed and it did. Yeah. Table. It comes out of the wall. Mm -hmm. No clue. 
until a year later, I was watching a video about art of animation and saw somebody do that. And my son probably would have preferred to sleep in the Mater bed as opposed to really? the... you didn't know? I had no idea. Oops. Yeah, I had no a clue. Lapse on my part for not telling them probably. No, I, we, I was just like, wait, what are they doing? And, you know, I, it's neither here nor there, but he would have loved that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Do your research. Watch your YouTube videos for real your resort. Okay, one more thing. I know you do some collecting. Yes. Of Disneyana, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Please. Well, I stick to the cheap stuff because, as mentioned before, uh, we both work nonprofits. Yeah, so. it, we're all on a budget here right. at the Budget Mouse. So, yes, talk to affordable items to collect for a Disney lover, please. So I, I always dig going to antique stores and, you know, my wife probably – if I had my way, there would be Disney stuff here from, like – the second you walked in till you know you floor ran, to ceiling till you ran screaming from the house <laughs> and uh, my wife reins it in quite a bit so um you wouldn't necessarily know that i was disney freak when you walk in the front door but like if you looked in certain areas you'd be like what is all of this um i have a pretty ridiculous collection of disney pez dispensers i think pez is hilarious and Love uh pez. so i have lots of those um well, they don't take up a whole lot of space either. No, and when I had my own office, I had them all there, and now that we're in a cubicle, I don't have space for them, so they're just kind of in a bag right now, and I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do with them. But they're there. Um, I do have some of the Zumzums, um, but uh, I used to have more. I'm losing them because my son throws them around the house, and then I never yeah. find them again. Um, but I'm looking at a pretty weird selection right now, which is uh, Stitch, Mini, Greedo, and a Jawa from Star Wars. <laughs> That's a pretty odd I like it. It's eclectic. Um, I, uh, I, I've, oh God, if, if Kim listens to this, then she's going to find out, but I've uh, started, oh. they're really cheap, but I was, I was looking for something that was really cheap and would be fun to like collect. Yes. Cause that's why I put me to Pez dispensers. Um, cause they're really cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, you can find, you know, sometimes you have to look on eBay for like, I bought, I bought the Ratatouille collection off eBay for like a $7 because it was four, <laughs> four Pez dispensers, Wow, right? that's a bargain. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. It is. <laughs> I don't know what they're worth. That's Probably worth less than that. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was a kid, another thing I really loved before I became a vegetarian was, you know, my, we would go to McDonald's every once in a while and it was always a treat to get a happy meal and it would have the toy inside, right? And so there, there are decades worth of Disney... Uh, Happy Meal toys that are all online and they are super cheap because let's face it, they're basically worthless hunks of plastic. Y yeah, but they are they have sentimental yes. value. <laughs> so I've like, I have this huge list of like stuff. I mean, it's there's so much, you know, every movie that ever came out mm -hmm. from like the mid 80s onward has a full collection of um, these little figures and so I've started to kind of accrue some of those and um, I don't know man, I always think like you know, if I got hit with a bus, God forbid, people are going through my stuff just like, what? Why does he have? What is this? Why does he have oh, this? A little peek into your mind. Yeah. They're be like, my <laughs> goodness. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, so I kind of gravitate towards there's there is so much cool stuff out there that is really expensive and just off limits. There's so much cool art and sculptures and things that would be great to have. But they're usually out of my price range. So they're I, out of reach for most people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um I have I I love Legos as a kid and when we were at Disney World at the Lego store and they had the um Disney Lego Cinderella Castle I was obsessed with that. It's like wow. $300 or something and okay. you know whatever. But um yeah, I mean I really wanted to I really wanted to collect the monorail things that were out there, but so. those are really expensive too. So mm -hmm. I just stick to the to the cheap stuff, but it's 
I don't know. It it's does really bring fun. a bit of Disney magic into your life. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that a 30, mid 30s man could do that are shameful. <laughs> uh, it Some might think that it's shameful that I, you know, ordered for $13 the Snow White and Seven Dwarves Pez collection. There is no shame in that. But. But, you know, if that's my biggest secret right now, that's fine. I'll let people know that. Yeah, no, it's true confessions here. Good. Now, I have to mention one other thing. In addition to being uh, just a great guy and having a great job, Dave is also a super talented musician. And I know he has been working on an album for a while. Yeah, um, too long. Too long of um, Disney covers right for jazz guitar yes am i right okay so i'm hoping that he will play a little bit of one of the songs he's been working on and then we're going to talk about where you can find dave as a disney fan and a musician here so in addition to being a disney fan dave is also a super talented musician and so he has been working on a jazz guitar disney album for a few years and he's it's getting there there. yeah i've asked him if he would play a little excerpt for us here before he goes and he agreed to so what are you playing for us dave this is my favorite disney song of all time you'll recognize it So great. Thank you, Dave. Thank no you. I hope you got my crying kid in the background. <laughs> we do have a little bit of crying in the background. So, Dave, um, where can listeners find you as a musician, as a Disney fan? Can you tell us where they can find you, please? Sure. All Disney fans are welcome to friend me on Facebook. My name is Dave Rich. And um, right now, I'm in a band that doesn't sound anything like what I just played. We are very heavy and instrumental called the Beyonderers. Nice. Uh, You can hear us on Spotify. You can hear us on Bandcamp, which is a a great website where you can listen to our album for free. But you can also um, give me any amount of money you wish to download it so you can have it for your own. but uh, yeah, this record, this Disney record, will hopefully be done in the next year. Yay. I'm working on it. I've been working on it sporadically. Um, when when you have children, suddenly making finishing records goes by the wayside. But yeah. hopefully, it will be done relatively soon. And I will be sharing it with readers and listeners when it is done. For sure. Good. Thanks again for being on the show, Dave. It was wonderful. Thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> 